Hey guys, what's going on? This is the Simple Power Podcast where we think practically about the presence and the power of God, and I'm your host, Duke Lamastra. You know, so many times, guys, I think that we miss out on so much that God has made available to us because we operate from the wrong mindset. We think that we have to do this in order to get that, that we have to do this in order to qualify, that we have to be acceptable enough to get God's grace and favor and goodness and whatever else, and it's completely missing the point because everything that Jesus died to secure for us Everything that we have available to us through the finished works of Jesus Christ on the cross, it's available simply on the basis of the fact that we belong to him as his sons and his daughters. We're going further into our discussion on identity, focusing today on sonship. This is episode number 44, so let's get into it. Jesus came into this world to do many things. He came to seek and to save the lost. He said, the son of man has not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He said, I've come to destroy the works of the devil. Then later on in the the book of Hebrews, it actually says that he came to destroy the devil. Pretty cool. Uh, He came that we may have life and that we may have it more abundantly. He came to do all kinds of things. Obviously, ultimately, he came to uh, give his life on the cross. He said, for this purpose, I have come into the world. And so he came to give his life on the cross. He came to fulfill the law perfectly in our place, doing what we couldn't do for ourselves because we're so imperfect. But he did it perfectly. He was obedient in our place with perfect obedience. And he and he gave his life on the cross, bringing us to the Father, presenting us to the Father, clothed in his righteousness. He came to do all of that and so much more. Every, every miracle that he performed, every time he opened a blind eye, every time he raised somebody from the dead or cast out a demon or cleansed a leper, whatever he did, he was always demonstrating the nature of the Father, always demonstrating the heart of the Father, always demonstrating who God is because Jesus came as the perfect image, the perfect representation, the perfect demonstration of who God the Father is. And so that time when Jesus got in between that woman who was caught in the act of adultery and her accusers, and he got in the middle and he took their attention off of her and onto himself, and he made some statements, and it says he got down and wrote in the in the sand. I don't know what he was writing, but he began to write on the ground. And one by one, all of the accusers of this woman who is in this moment of brokenness and just this moment of of embarrassment and fear because they're about to kill her and and everything that's going on there, they one by one drop their stones and begin to walk away. Jesus had a, a moment with this woman who is at probably the lowest point of her entire life. All of that was a demonstration of the heart of the Father. Everything that Jesus did, Jesus said in in John chapter 14, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That was in response to Philip's uh, request. Jesus, show us the Father and it will be enough for us. Or show us the Father and it will be sufficient, depending, <clears throat> excuse me, depending on your version of the Bible. I, I love what the New Living Translation says. It says, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And I just really believe, this is a side note, but I really believe that the heart of every single person on this planet The heart of every single person on this planet is crying out, is longing for, is desperate for a relationship with 
the father. That's why people get into drugs and that's why people join gangs and that's why people get into bad relationships and that's why people look for answers in all the wrong places. That's why people find all their value from people on TV and by dressing a certain way and having certain friendships and and that's why people feed off of each other. That's why people get into these codependent relationships and, and that's why people do all kinds of unhealthy things in life because there's this longing within them that is not satisfied if they don't know who the father is and even for many christians many many sons and daughters of god that are walking around that do not have this understanding the revelation of who the father is they walk around still trying to qualify for his favor still trying to qualify for his goodness, for for being good enough, to, still trying to be acceptable before him, still trying to do things in order to get things from him, still trying to be good enough to please God. When Jesus already took care of all of that on the cross, he took care of all of it. He said, it is finished. It was done. It was taken care of. You have been qualified. You have been presented to the Father as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And there is nothing that separates you from him. And there's nothing about, there is no works that you can do to be better in his sight or anything like that you are fully acceptable to God he has already qualified you it's not based on what you've done or who you are or what you've been through or how many years you've been saved or or how how well you can refrain from sinning it's not about that it is about who you are and who you are is based on who he says you are and he said that as many as received Christ you've been given this right this privilege this authority to become a child of God, to become a son or daughter of God. You'll find that in John chapter 1, verse 12. And the following verse, verse 13, says that we've been born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You and I have been born again. We've been born into this household, this family of God, born not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. So Philip's like, show us the Father, and it'll be sufficient. Show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied with that. We need the Father. We all need We all need to know the Father. We need this relationship with the Father, because nothing else at the end of the day satisfies. He's the only one that can satisfy those deep longings of your heart. But when we make it about us, we put all the pressure on ourselves to try to perform, to try to be good enough, to try to be strong enough, to try to be spiritual enough, to try to be righteous enough. What happens is we end up living according to an inferior covenant. We end up living according to an inferior mindset, an inferior way of thinking because we have already been fully justified, fully accepted, fully made righteous, fully, I'm looking for a specific word here and I can't think of what it is, fully qualified in the sight of our heavenly father because of what Jesus did for us. And so Jesus responds to Philip and he's like, have I been with you this whole time and you still don't know me or you still haven't seen me? Don't you know that I am in the father and the father in me and all this kind of stuff? He's, he is the demonstration of the father. He said, if we've seen him, we have seen the father. If we've seen Jesus, we've seen the father. Jesus came to demonstrate perfectly the heart of the father toward humanity. And it's so interesting to me that that verse from John chapter 1 says that as many as received him, to them he gave the right, and that word right is actually the word authority, to them he gave the authority or the right to become children of God. That when we've received Christ, we have this right to become God's 
kids, to become God's own. We're adopted. We uh, Romans 8, 15, we've received the spirit of adoption. We belong to him. We are his own. That verse could have said any number of things. It could have said that those who receive Jesus, they get to become, they have the right to become great men and women of faith, or they have the right to lead great ministries, or they have the right to God's favor or whatever. But it goes on this very foundational, this very simple level that as many as receive Jesus, we've been given the right to become sons and daughters of God. We have the right to become children. Now, if you just think about that on a surface level, it doesn't really sound that great. How many of us that are grown up would love to become children again? Probably not too many of us. But the reality is that as children of God, what we have available to us, we recognize that we are members of his household. We're members of the family of God. We are joint heirs and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. We have the greatest inheritance that you could ever possibly imagine. Like, I don't care if you're an heir to the Buffett fortune, if you're an heir to the Bezos uh, fortune, if you, you could be a Rockefeller, whatever it is, but the the inheritance that you have as a child of God makes all of those other inheritances pale in comparison. Your inheritance is so much greater than you could possibly imagine because you are actually a co-heir and a joint heir because he loved you so much to send Jesus to die in your place, to take your penalty, and to bring you into this position of sonship, of daughtership with the Father. And when we go through life without the understanding of who we are as sons and daughters of God, that we are totally accepted, that we are totally secure, that we are completely qualified, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done for us. When we don't have that understanding, when we don't have that concept, then what we end up doing inevitably is we try to perform. We try to get things by doing things. You know, the enemy knows how powerful you are as a son of God, as a daughter of God, when you truly begin to recognize and discover and have the revelation of who God is and who you are in him. That's why all of his attacks are always aimed against your identity. They're always aimed at getting you to either doubt who God is or who you are in him. Always. He has no new tricks. It's always the same thing. It's the same thing that he did to Eve in the garden. It's the same thing that he did to Jesus in the wilderness. Like, what was what was the issue? Eve, has God really said? In other words, we're going to question what God has said. No, you won't surely die because God knows that when you eat the fruit of this tree, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, Eve, God is trying to hide something from you. He's trying to keep something back from you. Are you sure you can really trust that guy? Are you sure that everything that he told you is right on? How can you believe everything that God said? And just questioning and 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 doubting, bringing doubt into our minds about the nature and the goodness and the character and the integrity of God and the integrity of what he has promised us. With Jesus, it was, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. If you are the son of God, if you really believe what God said to you, because because that's in Matthew chapter 4, at the end of Matthew chapter 3, Jesus receives this, this thundering from heaven word from his father, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Then he's out in the wilderness and the enemy comes and he attacks. And it's, if you are the son attacking, questioning the word that the father had spoken over him, if you are the son, then command these stones. 
If you are the son, then prove it. Do something. Demonstrate it. Come on, man. If you're really God's son, in other words, it's putting works with sonship, getting us to equate our relationship with the father with doing things. If you do this, then you can have this. And it undermines the reality of what Christ has accomplished for us. And so the enemy has no new tricks. His attacks against you, every demonic attack is always aimed at your thought life. Now, a lot of times it starts with something physical, like the car breaks down, or maybe there's an unfavorable diagnosis, or you get served with that lawsuit, or whatever it is, you lose your job, whatever it is. And then that, but the the real aim of the attack is the thought process that follows. It's getting you to start to question and to doubt and to wonder, well, oh, I wonder if God is, is really going to come through on this. Oh, I wonder if I can really trust what God told me. Oh, well, maybe that thing that God showed me, maybe that wasn't really God. Maybe that was just me thinking. And, you know, who am I to really even believe that I can hear from God anyway? Look at all the mistakes going on in my life. And it becomes this condemnation thing. That's what the enemy is after, that downward spiral effect, that negative thought process where you start to question who God is and you start to question who you are in Him. It's an attack on the nature and character of God, and it's an attack on your identity as his child. So what if, because you and I can't always, we can't control every thought that comes into our head. We just can't. But what if every thought that came into our head, everything that, every thought that came into our minds, what if we could filter it through this lens of the fact that we are sons and daughters of God. So when the enemy comes up with an attack, with the railing accusation, and he's like, oh, are you sure you're good enough to receive that? And instead of taking that thought and accepting it as your own and beginning that downward spiral process of, oh, well, I wonder this. I wonder if what God said here, and I wonder maybe I'm not good enough, and maybe this problem, and oh, I, I need whatever. And instead of doing that, it just came back to this thing every single time of, yeah, but... I am a child of God. Yeah, but I'm a son of God. Yeah, but I'm a daughter of God. Yeah, but his love for me is so much greater than that. He already paid the price for that because he is my perfect father who sent his perfect son to die in my place. And so what if we could just begin to filter all of the negativity and all of the thoughts and all of the attacks and all of the arguments what if we could filter them through this lens of the fact that we are sons and daughters of God and that we belong to him? In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, I would really encourage you to read that on your own, or verses probably 1 through 6 would actually be better, but, but check out that passage on your own. But verses 3 through 5, I'm just going to kind of quote it here. While we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So when an, when a thought comes in your head, when a demonic thought, a thought that, and when I say demonic thought, I don't mean that it's about like, oh, the devil, this I'm talking about any thought that goes against the knowledge of God that seeks to exalt itself against the knowledge of God in your life is demonic. 
every single time that you have a thought that said, well, maybe God isn't going to be faithful to me in this situation, that's demonic. Every single time that you have a thought that says, oh, well, maybe I'm not good enough for this, that's a demonic thought. I'm not saying you're demon possessed or anything like that. It's just that those demonic thoughts, the enemy, for some reason, he has some kind of right, some kind of authority, some kind of whatever. He's the prince of the power of the air, he's the God of this age age eon this present world system and so he's able to attack he has some right he has some right now for the time being he's able to attack he's able to bring thoughts and arguments and accusations and stuff like that but we have the right we have we have this right this authority this privilege this power as sons and daughters of god where we actually get to recognize you know what i am not born of this world not of the will of the flesh nor the will of man but i've been born of god that i am actually a co-heir and joint heir with jesus christ that i belong to the household of god that i am his son that i am his daughter that i absolutely belong belong to him. And so, yeah, this may be something that's happening in front of me right now. This may be an issue. Maybe, yeah, my car did break down or I blew a tire or whatever happened, happened, but it's not going to change the fact that I recognize that I belong to God. And so what if we could just begin to filter all of those thoughts, all of those arguments, all of those lies, all of those demonic attacks through the lens of, yeah, but I am a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I belong to him. He already paid the price for that. He already took care of it. So there's no need of me getting into fear. There's no need of me spiraling out of control. There's no need of me uh, selling myself short right now or thinking that just because I failed in the past that I'm going to fail again now in the present or in the future. There's no reason for any of that. Why? Because I recognize who I am in him. So we take, it says, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I don't, I guarantee you that captives do not like being held captive. And so what if you took every thought, every negative thought, every demonic thought that came into your mind, it says take every thought captive, right? What if you took every negative thought, every, um, every demonic thought, everything, every argument against the knowledge of God, you took that thing captive and you made that thought, sorry that it ever entered your airspace, Here's something that's crazy that's just incredible to me that happens. And I don't think we think about this a lot. But when you stand your ground in God against spiritual attacks, like when you just choose to worship God in the midst of of a demonic attack, in the midst of the enemy coming up against you, in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of fear, frustration, anger, struggle, you know, life, the stuff that we all go through. When you choose in those moments to, instead of spiraling out of control, instead of partnering with the liar, instead of partnering with fear, all that stuff, if you just choose to worship God and focus on him and direct your love and your attention to him, recognizing that you belong to him, that whatever's going on around you, it doesn't separate you from God. Whatever's going on around you, it doesn't change the fact that he died for you, that he did it perfectly, that he took care of all of it, that you are qualified, that you belong to him, that his grace is sufficient for you, for his strength is made perfect in your weakness. Come on, somebody. That when you recognize that, 
in the midst of an attack, when you recognize who you are and who your God is, that the enemy actually gets a spiritual beating. He gets a spiritual beat down and he has to flee from you because he doesn't stay in that environment. So when those negative thoughts, when those bad thoughts, when those thoughts against the knowledge of God in your life, those thoughts attacking your identity as a child of God, when those things come in and you stand your ground and you say, yeah, but I'm a child of God. Yeah, but my God is bigger than that. Yeah, but my God is more faithful. Yeah, but my God, his grace is more than enough. Yeah, but my God, and you just focus on him instead of taking all that pressure upon yourself that the enemy actually has to give up and go away. He's sorry that he messed with you. You know, sometimes we, you know, we, we all get under spiritual attack and all that kind of stuff because the devil hates God. It's just, it's just part of life. It's part of being a child of God. But I need you to understand that he is never attacking you out of a belief that he's better than you or bigger than you or stronger than you or anything like that. He's actually attacking you out of his own insecurity. He needs you to doubt who God is and who you are in him because that's how he maintains a certain level of control and that's how he maintains a certain level of authority. But as soon as you, in in a, in Philippians chapter 1, I always forget if it's verse 27 or 28. It's one of those two verses. I'm going to just go with 28, I think. It says that, it says these words. Paul says, And in no way terrified of your adversaries, which is to them proof of perdition. So when you and I, we, are, we refuse to be terrified of our adversary. When we refuse to be terrified of those demonic forces and strongholds and whatever that come up against us, that attack our thoughts, that attack our identity, that attack our stuff or whatever. When we refuse to be terrified, that it actually reminds them of their own perdition. And that's just a fancy word for judgment. It's the fact that they are, <laughs> that they have no hope of salvation. They have no hope of victory. They have absolutely none because they've already been defeated and they already know that they're defeated. They know that they're done. They know that there's nothing left. The devil knows that he has nothing on you. So that's why he attacks out of fear, out of insecurity, out of whatever. But it's not because he's better than you. It's not because he's got you beat. And so when you just simply choose to stand your ground in God and recognizing who you are, that you are his son as his daughter, this is why that verse is so powerful that he's given us the privilege the right, the power, the authority to become children of God. There is nothing more powerful than a child of God who knows who they are in him and they know who their God is. You can't be defeated. The enemy cannot defeat you. You know why? Because he's already been defeated. He wants you to think in terms of defeat. He wants you to think in terms of fighting for victory. He wants you to think in terms of trying to qualify for victory or be good enough for victory, to do enough good things, to be able to be worthy enough to get this or to get that. And it's all just garbage. It's trash. It has nothing to do with the new nature that you have in Christ. It's not new covenant. It is just not. It's not. It's an inferior way of thinking. It's an inferior mindset. The only way that the enemy gets what he wants is when you accept his lies. The only way that he gets any authority in your life is by you giving it to him by agreeing with his lies. It's the only way. And so as soon as you refuse, as soon as you just say, not today, Satan, as soon as you just recognize, hold on, hold on, hold on. This isn't even about you right now. This isn't about you, Satan, and your stuff. This is about I am a child of God. 
I belong to him. How could you be defeated by somebody who's already defeated? He's already defeated. You have already won. You don't fight for victory. You fight from victory. And actually, you don't even, I've discovered that I very rarely have to fight because when I focus on him, he goes out and he fights my battles for me. And if you just begin to recognize that he actually does love you that much, that he loves you that much, that you are that valuable to him, that you mean that much to God, that he would actually take care of the stuff that concerns you. The Bible says that he perfects that which concerns us. The Bible calls him the author and the finisher of our faith. That we hold fast the confession of our faith or the profession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. It's, it's all based on who he is. It's not based on who you are or what you've done or what you can do or how much faith you think you have or don't have or whatever. It's not about any of that. It's about who he is. And when you just put your faith, your trust, your hope in him and you allow him to take care of those things that concern you, that is a recipe for living a life of rest and peace and joy and strength. And those are the things that really terrify the enemy. When you're at peace, when you're at rest, when you're joyful, that's the thing that rocks the enemy and his demonic strongholds. It's the thing that rocks the, those things at their core when you recognize who you are in God. And so, again, Jesus came to reveal the Father. He came to demonstrate who the Father is to us. In that same passage in John chapter 14, Jesus goes down and, and uh, he's talking about how he's going to be leaving and sending the Comforter, sending the Holy Spirit. And he says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And so many times, I think that so many of God's people walk around with an orphan mindset, an orphan mentality. This mentality that says that I've got to do good to please God. Of course, there's nothing wrong with doing good. We should all desire to do good. But that's not the point. That's not how you get accepted. That's not how you get God's grace. That's not how you get God's favor. That's not how you become a child of God. That's not how you become good enough for heaven. That's not how you get any of it. It comes through Jesus, through his blood, through his grace. And all you have to do is receive him as many as received him. He gave them the right to become children of God. When all we do, we receive him. We receive him. We receive who he is. We receive his love. But it's this mindset of, you know what? I belong to you, God. I belong to you. I have two sons and they make mistakes every single day. They fight every single day. They get on my nerves, maybe not every day, but they get on my nerves quite a bit, but they never lose their authority as my sons. They never lose their authority. They never lose the ability to sleep in their beds, in their house. They never, they never stop thinking for a second, oh, well, dad's not going to love me anymore. They never stop thinking for a second, well, I'm not going to be able to get dinner tonight. They don't get, because it's not based on their works. It's not based on what they've done. And this is why being a child of God is so important and why it's so powerful. It's shifting our mindset to not think like an outsider, but to think as one who has been bought and paid for and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, that your father in heaven loved you enough to send his perfect son to die a gruesome death on the cross in order to bring you to him. He loved you just that much. 
and it doesn't stop there. And then once we get in the gate, you know, once we get in the gate and we receive salvation and we receive his free gift of life and righteousness and all of that, that now it's like this thing about works and doing good and, and, and trying to be pleasing to God and all this kind of stuff. It's not, it doesn't, it, it doesn't stop at the moment of your salvation. Life with Jesus starts at the moment of your salvation experience and you walk through that and it just gets better and better and more restful and more peaceful and more joyful. That's the desire of God for you. Not that you live trying to beat yourself up with rules and regulations and different things like that, but that you live from a place of rest and trust and peace, knowing who you are as the son, as a daughter of God, and recognizing that he is your perfect father and his love for you is infinite. It never stops. It never changes. It never runs dry. It's not based on what you've done. It's not based on your qualifications. It's not based on any of that. He's already qualified you because he loved you enough to do it all for you. So yeah, I just really want to encourage you this week that whenever those negative thoughts come into your mind, when those things enter your airspace, those arguments that seek to tear down the knowledge of who God is in your life. When those thoughts come against you saying that you're not good enough, that God's not faithful enough, that he's not going to come through on his promise, that he forgot about you, that he's not going to do what he said he was going to do or anything like that or anything else that comes in that goes against the knowledge and the truth and the promises of God and the grace and the favor and the love of God in your life. Whenever those things happen, just remember Remember, I, I just really want to encourage you to get practical with this. Take a moment and just pause and be like, yeah, but I'm a child of God. Yeah, but I'm your son. Yeah, but I'm your daughter. Yeah, but you died to secure this for me. Yeah, but I'm a co-heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Yeah, but I'm a member of the household of God. Yeah, but I'm a member of the family of God. Yeah, but I am my father's favorite. Yeah, but I have received the spirit of adoption. Yeah, but I am not an outsider anymore. However, it works for you. But really just, there's nothing There's nothing more important than this. And there's nothing that, that just makes the enemy rip his hair out more than when you recognize that you are a child of God completely secure and you live in the joy and the peace and the rest of what that brings into your life. So thanks so much again for being here, guys. I uh, just want to remind you, if you haven't already subscribed to the Simple Power Podcast, if you got anything out of this episode, please consider subscribing and share this with that one person that you know that you think could benefit from it as well. And uh, as always, next episode will be released next Monday morning, bright and early. And uh, I look forward to being back with you next time.